Hey everybody, welcome to episode 71 of the Church of Digital Podcast, powered by Stadia Church Planning. Jeff here, uh, I am excited about this conversation, about this episode, really because of how chill this conversation went. It's almost like I'm sitting outside of a Starbucks, because really, the first time that I met this person, Neil Smith, was outside of a Starbucks. We, it was actually a very influential day for, for myself and the Church Digital, because we were in Disneyland. Yeah, it's crazy. All magic happens at Disneyland. Everything starts at Disney, if you know I'm a Disney guy. But in this situation, um, there was a very influential day in, in, in my life, probably January, February 2018, that, that involved Nil Smith, uh, who's the guest here on the podcast, Jay Cranda, online pastor with Saddleback, Greg uh, Atkinson, who you'll hear from soon, and, and Ray DeArmas, who is the uh, digital pastor at Christ Fellowship Miami. Honestly, the five of us were sitting outside of a Starbucks, and we just spent hours, literally hours, talking about what church online could be and how it could make a difference in church and in culture, had it been given a chance. And what's ironic is that it took a global pandemic to swing through here to actually get the church to pivot, to adopt to some of these church online principles. And it's so exciting to see how the church is evolving in this season through church online. And so for months, literally for months, I've been trying to get Nils Smith uh, on, on a podcast here. Uh, Nils is a really kind of like this futurist type of guy, innovative. By his own disclaimer, he's not a technology guy. He's, he's really more of just a, a guy who really is very good at reading culture, looking into the future, anticipating some of the things that are happening. It's one of the reasons why he's a phenomenal conversationalist. So... I've been trying to get him on the podcast because he's he does a lot of podcasts himself. And I personally, I've been wanting to do a podcast on church podcasts because I want to see church podcasts get beyond just the sermon. And so for months, just between Nils and I, we've really had a hard time aligning our schedules to have this podcast conversation. And finally, finally things lined up and I was able to get Nils to come in to do this podcast. Lo and behold, we didn't actually talk about the stuff that we're supposed to talk about with church podcasts. Instead, we spent the entire episode talking about COVID, uh, about innovation, about how do the church needs to be entrepreneurial in this season to redefine who it is, not from a biblical standpoint, because that stays true, of course, but how we operate and the models that with which we work through. This is a lot of what we ended up talking about in this episode. Not at all what I wanted to, but such a deep, rich, thick conversation that I'm sure you're going to get a benefit from it. So here's where we are. We're, we're bringing in Neil Smith. Uh, who is Dunham & Company Chief Strategist for Social Media and Innovation, as well as one of the OGs, one of, one of the early pioneers when it comes to church online. At some point, guys, he actually uses the word MySpace in this podcast, literally, like he was doing church online in MySpace. Just, just let that sit on you for a while. MySpace. We're bringing in, once again, Ray DeArmas, of course, co-host here with the Church Digital, uh, digital pastor over at uh, Christ Fellowship Miami. And myself, Jeff, with the Church Digital, as well as uh, Stadia Church Planting, in a conversation that I'm calling a futurist view of innovative entrepreneurial church. Okay, everybody, here you go. <sighs> well, awesome, man. Hey, thanks for jumping on this. I, I know it's I know it's a crazy season and and uh, life and and things like this. Um, and I know we've and been so, trying to I, do and this. And I'm curious to hear. Every, I mean, Jeff, your world has to have blown up and exploded. I mean, I think the timing of you kind of going all in on this and this happening it's it's a kind of such a time as this moment for you it feels like yeah 
Yeah, I, I get that a lot. Um, so traffic on the web on, on my website literally shot up a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, from February to like that first second week of March. Yep. Um, and it it was it, it was just crazy. I mean, I'm still getting. Uh, and obviously, like it's it's tapered down. The initial thrust was how do we stream? We have no idea what we're doing, and yep. just jumping from webinar to webinar to webinar to webinar, has saying the same thing over and over again um, with that. And so, a lot of content t- driven towards that. Um, I had we were I was already doing the same with Stadia, like going yep. to be the director of digital church planning, yeah. And, and like the the goal was to do this like three year ecclesiology or this three-year research and development project towards creating a digital only church and um i've i've always been the controversial guy like i am not afraid uh, of like hard statements and having people react strongly i've never seen anything as um two-sided as bifurcated as a digital only church because there are either people who are like i have been wanting to do this for a long time i'm in how can i be a part of this and I've had pastors look at me and say, you are, you are, what you are doing is a sin. You are theologically wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. it's like, you know, and, and so there's two sides of this. And there's this one guy, and this is, this is a, a local pastor. This is a friend of mine. Okay. This is a guy who's known me for years. It's yeah. like, Jeff, um, yeah, I, I hear what you're doing with like all this broadcasting services and things. Uh, I think it's a sin. I think it's wrong. Uh, I think you're taking people away from the bride of Christ. You're taking them out of the church. And, and we will never, we will never broadcast the service out of this church. Wow. Hey, bro, no problem. Love you. Um, however I can help your church, you know, let me know. That was November of 2019. March of 2020. Hey, yeah, we need some help streaming. Can you can you come over? Can, yep. can you help us with this? Yep. I would love to. Let me come over. You know, I'm hoping, I don't think, as I'm watching the news, like, COVID doesn't change the Bible. So like all the theological concerns, the, that's, that's, the Bible hasn't changed, so your theology shouldn't be shifting. Now, you know, maybe your opinions have changed or cultural opinions have shifted as a result of this. Yep. Uh, I'm hoping that's the, that's the answer. Um, yep. But it's well, been- And I think the reality is it's just forced people to do it. And then when they do it, they realize how real it can actually be. And I think that's the big miss from a contextual standpoint of how they perceive it. Yeah, forgive me, guys, and for jumping into this, but you know, this all comes back to everybody keeps questioning what the definition of what it means to gather together, right? Like, like this is kind of the whole thing of of why people keep questioning it. And now it's funny, Jeff and I had a we had a long private conversation about how a lot of theological shifts were going to happen as a result of this, yeah. in terms of what it means to gather, because we can't truly physically be in the same spaces yes. but at the same time and and folks like folks like you Niels, uh, jeff myself we've been talking about how man it's very easy to gather physically but still feel completely alone yes in a room filled with thousands of people in a church service still yes. feel completely isolated feel completely by yourself as if nobody knows you and every church says that well our answer to that is small groups and for some reason when it comes to online they're still antagonistic towards it. They're like, well, you know, in person, that's where you're gathering, but, but small groups online, I don't know if you can truly be known. It's like, oh yes, you can. Yes. Yes. And I would say personally in my life, I, you know, we go to a physical connect group at Hillsong um, and that's our community, our small group community. But I'll tell you, there are people that I've never met personally that I'm way closer with than the people in my physical small group at church. 
Um, because there's a, there's a reality when you lean into relationships this way. And I think there's a resistance of, of course, if you don't use it, you're never going to experience it and you can't have a legitimate opinion on it either. Um, it's just different though. I mean, it's just never, it's never been around. This is history. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and, and people are just, you know, it's hard to contextualize what's, what this is because it didn't exist 2000 years ago. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's a, it's such an exciting, crazy day. And I love, I mean, I think about what if Facebook didn't exist right now? What if church online oh, platform hadn't been built? Um, where, where would the church be um, without a few people that dealt with the, you're the crazy nut, you know, um, and prepared, was prepared and, and set a model for how churches can, can do this. Well, that's, yeah, that's, if this, no, go ahead, Ray. I, I, you know, I've been telling my dad, cause my dad's, you know, an entrepreneur, much like you guys, like a lifelong entrepreneur. And I told him, I said, dad, we've got to be in the middle of the modern industrial revolution right now. Like that even, and, and we can get into futurist stuff, I'm sure either in this episode or another episode down the road, but so many jobs just either aren't going to be there or aren't going to be, aren't going to be the same when people return to the workforce coming out of this, because this whole thing has advanced us in my opinion, about 10 years in terms of where we were headed. Yeah just kind of coming out of it both in the church and outside of the church like everybody is saying oh man we're not going to be the same coming back into this in the sense of now we've got new digital avenues we've got new ways of doing this but even from an economic standpoint like things are going to be done way more efficiently coming back because ai is just going to be that much more available yep yep i you know it's 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 really interesting like you know i've talked to some online pastors in this season and they're and honestly they're like man we're just going to go back to the way that it was and even online and pastors are thinking that even way. even online and and it's and they're discouraged and and I've had conversations with with churches there's a church several churches I've talked with recently honestly that that have said the thing like yeah I just can't wait to to get back to to normal like I do hear that yeah. and so like I kind of understand where where the where the online pastors are are, are coming from or maybe they're feeling that tension like within the offices um, within the virtual offices at this point because we're not meeting physically, but it's it's for me for some reason like I'm I'm very bullish in this season where I think that this is actually the catalyst that's going to cause change. Ray, I was actually just recently um, for some reason the Ed Stetzer podcast was was playing back through. I think I was trying to get a quote or something. Did a podcast with Ed. It was literally like the week before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. It was funny in the in the podcast. Ed actually mentioned, you know, the entire world's going to change once this COVID thing hit. And Ray and I were like blowing it off, like, "Yeah, he's just you know blowing smoke." And holy cow, it it really did happen. Yes. But but even in that Ray in that conversation, we were talking about, man, every year we talk about how the church needs to change. Mm-hmm. We say we're we're stuck. We know what we need to do, but there's no catalyst in, in our life in the world to actually cause the change. And then God brings the change. We're literally in the midst of this. We live this hectic lifestyle. We're on lockdown. The church lives in this one hour on Sunday, and now it's forced into a position where it has to engage with people seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Like, it's amazing to see God move in the midst of all of the, the chaos centered around this COVID season. Right. And like, and like so many shifts in modern history, right, like whether it was the inventor, the invention of the printing press and, you know, the the renaissance that comes out of it and so many different things like I, I, either you can embrace it or you can resist it but either way change is coming for you i mean 
Nils, I mean, you're, you're, you're probably a bigger futurist in this area. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Because to me, that's just the way that it's coming. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I, I think it's, I, and I think some, a lot of us saw this already, but this is, to your point, it's, it's just, it's, it's created speed. I think the other thing it's doing is it's speeding up new opportunity, but, but it's also speeding up the death of, I think there's a lot of churches that w- they, they won't come back. You know, like they're, they're, they're waiting, hoping to survive this season and, and they won't survive it uh, because they chose that. Um, and, and I think, I think too, I mean, I, I, uh, I was talking to a guy who works for Lifetime Fitness um, and runs kind of this Northeast area. They're, they're, they're having a, I mean, obviously a tough time. Everything's about physical gatherings, but the opportunity that they see is commercial real estate is about to get ridiculously cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, because people are going to start working remotely. Um, people, a lot of storefront businesses are going to not survive this. Um, and so there's opportunity across the board and lifetimes well positioned. Uh, and so while this is a short term hurt, this is going to be a long term opportunity. And I think when you can just, just pull back and just look ahead um, there are so many opportunities on it, you know, and, and I don't know this, I can't, you know, state this publicly, but I was talking to a friend who is friends with Lou Giglio saying that they, they are realizing uh, they were so focused on their physical gatherings that, that they, they don't plan on going back to the way it was. Now it doesn't mean they're going to not do physical gatherings in the future, but yeah. this has forced them to think differently uh, about church in the future. And I think that's That's happening for a ton of people. Mm-hmm. But I, and I think as an entrepreneur, I, I see it from a business context of it's um, I just, I've just bought a bunch of domains. Um, hmm. uh, and uh, because I just see, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of new opportunities every, every hour that it's like, Oh, what, what is this going to do for work? you know, an online work and uh, what is this going to do for the financial industry? What is gonna, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a part of a healthcare startup uh, that does like Uber for doctors. Well, people are no longer going to want to go to doctor offices in a waiting room where there's a bunch of germs. No way. You know, to do telehealth, telehealth is going to explode. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, our, it's exploding right now, but it will continue. This is the launch pad for telehealth. Um, this is the launch, but my mom is a psychologist. She thinks she might never have a physical office again. She's, this has launched her into, because even in psychology, you couldn't do the, the telehealth, uh, restrictions were so great. Well, now they've had to open that up because people are depressed and they can't go to a psychologist. So they had to, to, to free up psychologists and psychiatrists and everybody to do remote, um, so yeah, everything is is going to be different, and there's a business opportunity, there's a ministry opportunity there. Uh, but I think the sad thing is is I do think about, um, and I think it's real. You know, those people that are in their 60s, 70s, and um, have resisted change, and they just kind of thought was I'm going to ride this out, and mm-hmm. then now they're hitting a point where they're whatever they were going to ride out no longer exists. Um, mm-hmm that's a tough thing too, you know? And I think, I think there's, there's gotta be a sensitivity to that. And there's a side of me that's like, sorry, you weren't paying attention. We've been talking about this, but, but there is a side too, where it's like, man, this is, this is going to be tough. I mean, you think about truck drivers and trucks driving themselves, you know I mean? There's just so many innovations that, that are happening and we can see where a lot of it's going. You just, 
it's it's getting there a lot faster than I think people thought. Money is not going to be worth the same thing as it was before. I think this is going to, I'm into crypto. I think this is going to expedite. <laughs> um, and so, but there's just so much, man. I, selfishly, this has been great because I too, I like, I live on airplanes. Um, I think my clients are learning that, you know what, we can actually do a whole, whole lot more through Zoom and we don't have to pay for your travel. So I don't have to leave my family uh, and I can do more ministry work. Um as a consultant. And so, yeah, man, I'm, I just, man, there's so many things I could just go on and on, but my, my, that I'm just having a hard time sleeping because I'm, I'm so fired up about this season that is so devastating simultaneously. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely, uh, you know, it's gasoline on a flame in this COVID season. Uh, we were actually talking with mutual friend, Jim Toberlin, um, yeah. a podcast, you know, mid late last year, Mm-hmm. And, and and he was talking about the progression of like comparing it to the multi-site movement of how it was like the cutting edge thing. And then it was the cool thing. And then it was the common thing. It was basically over a progression of about 20 years. It was a cutting edge thing. And then 10 years later, it was cool. And then 10 years later, it was common. And we were relaying that out to how that would move across church online where, you know, Life Church, I think, started um, uh, around t- 2000, uh, really when it became a cool concept it was about, about uh, 10, 12 years ago. So we're somewhere right now in the middle of from cutting edge to now the cool idea where the cool churches are really doing it, but it, but it's not a, not a common thing. As we were talking about how 2029 is the year um, mm. we've talked about in podcasts where like the AI 10 years from now taking away, you know, X number percentage of jobs, like 2029 was going to be this, this like catapulting cultural shift year where it's going to catalyze the church to really shift into some of these things. And, and like COVID wasn't on anybody's radar at all. Oh. And, and now, you know, we're seeing this happen. It's like, oh, hey, it's common now. Uh, you know, uh, was it 60? I think I saw LifeWay stat. 61% of churches at this point are broadcasting something online. Um, it's, it's funny. Um, 29% of churches, uh, was it LifeWay stat? I'll, I'll link to it in the show notes. But I, I think this was like Barna. 29% of churches are, are not growing in this season or are reporting they're not growing in this COVID season. Ironically, Barna also reports that 29% of churches refuse to do communion online. I don't know that those two are related, but it's this really it's, – it's, it's a fascinating kind of connection that yeah. you know even some churches aren't willing to embrace the full model or have like blocks that, oh, no, we're not able to, to do these things. Yeah. But these blocks are really the thing that allows us as a church, I think, to engage in, in online circles. Yeah. One of, one of my newest church clients is Crossroads Church in Southern California. And uh, gotten to know their pastor, Chuck Boer. Boer I can't, can't say his last name right, but he, I love him. And I've been listening to him preach for years. But I, um, I've just gotten to know him personally. And he, he said he's always kind of, it's been an afterthought, uh, but it's become so real to him. And they had planned for a almost a year of this huge baptism service with connected to Easter. Um, and then he was like, Oh, we've got to scrap that. And then after two weeks of doing online, he's like, no, we're, we're doing that and we're doing it online and that's going to be very real. So they're, they're doing tons of online baptisms. Um, and it's just fun to see pastors who have leaned in and have allowed, uh, themselves to think ecclesiology, uh, about how they do church differently and it yeah and it's just it's just it's exciting and it's not 
Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's just I, I, I'm really eager to see where this lands. And even like Crossroads, I'm, I'm curious to see when things are back to whatever no- that our future normal will be. Uh, what does that look like? You know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's ne- things will never there will never be normal the way it was. Yeah. Uh, but but I think uh, there will be we're not going to be in isolation the rest of our lives either, and so uh, yeah, it's it's just the whole thing. Everything's going to be so interesting. Mm-hmm. There will be there will be digital churches that will come out of this. Like and, and to me, this is yeah. this is the new term that that we're using and Stadia's um, running with it, and we're we're helping churches move to this idea of digital. Uh, yeah, we want to go back to the buildings, uh, and and as much as I push this digital only model, the buildings have a, of a place. Interestingly, I was on with Mark Venti yesterday. We were catching up on some things. Yeah. Mark's the executive yeah. pastor, number two guy yeah. over at Church Home, and um, and Mark Mark said this line. He's like, Jeff, the buildings work for us. We don't work for the buildings, and mm-hmm. and it was this this fascinating concept where they've even like restricted. They've sold buildings in this mm-hmm. season. They still believe in the model of physical buildings, but they're also, you know, going all in on a on a on a digital only model. But he was very quick to point out in the conversation, Jeff, we're a digital church. It's this mixture of physical and digital. You can't really go exclusively one way or the other. And and I believe that I think there's an option to do things in a digital church to reach people in a digital way that Mm -hmm. you may not in in, in a physical realm. And so some of the conversations you know, that we're even having right now are churches that exist in a physical space that are learning lessons from this season and realizing, hey, more than just doing our physical ministry online, what if we planted and did things differently in the digital space? Yeah. Actually, I talked with the church yesterday and, and the, the executive pastor told me, we asked him, you know, with two stadiums, like, hey, what are your goals? What do you want to do in the next two years? The executive pastor says, uh, our lead pastor's vision in two years is to plant the church in VR, hmm. and 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 I kind of, I looked at I looked at the executive almost with tears in my eyes, and I was like, like wait, you're telling me your lead pastor knows how to spell VR? Like, just <laughs> stop right there. That's a fascinating concept, and 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 the the lead pastor of an organization has a vision to realize there is community in virtual reality. There's yes. an opportunity for me to engage with people differently. DJ Soto, like, let's recreate, let's replicate, let's reimagine these things. Yep. It's a phenomenal opportunity that the church is. If we can just capture that vision and keep it going, we, the church would look phenomenal if we're learning lessons today that are going to help us for tomorrow. When I think it's it's a digital space in comparison to a physical space. And so, I, you know, one of the, one of the conceptual, like, uh, I'm working with Transformation Church in Tulsa, and they're they're considering they consider themselves first a digital church that happens to have a location in Tulsa, and Love this that. is a new mindset shift that they've made that that Mike Todd has had for years, but the church around you know everybody else never really got until until now, but uh, but they see the really defining Facebook as a campus, uh, uh, YouTube as a campus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we're looking at Twitch right now, you know, so Twitch would be and we're trying to say, what is that community like as we go into the Twitch community, we don't want to just do it our way we want to we want to be a part of the Twitch community and create a community that's native to their platform and uh, the way they form community and so uh, it's fascinating to think about their multi site strategy is platforms, not necessarily the internet. 
you know right. um and then it comes they come together in, in just like a multi-site church you might have gatherings where your three or four physical campuses come together for special events um or has unified pastoral leadership and things like that um but yeah it's 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 just it's we have no idea what that I, church home is fascinating mark is not a technology guy mark's a pastor who is and i think the less he knows about technology the better because he thinks about it from a pastoral mindset right and he asked the technology people to align the technology to the church's vision and it serves them the technology serves them just like the buildings serve them mm-hmm. as just a tool to accomplish the purposes of of the church Nils, why why do you think it is that businesses, um, and, and and granted, entrepreneurs tend to be ahead in this kind of thing, but a lot of businesses like Home Depot and others have embraced the fact that, hey, look, the buildings serve us, so we're going to invest a lot more in this online space because we want things to be completely cohesive, but we recognize that, hey, if it's not profitable or if it's not really moving us in the right direction, then we're okay with cutting our losses and moving on. Why do you think it's so hard for the church to do that? I I think people actually misperceive how far ahead the business community is because a few, a handful of businesses are very innovative. Um, The the reality is, is I've gotten more and more into consulting on on the corporate side as well. Uh, The corporate moves slow. Uh, A lot of corporate moves slow. And, 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 And we saw Toys R Us go out of business. Um, because they moved slow and they leaned into they Amazon put their business out of business. And, and I think, and you're seeing that happens so much to folks that, that, and, and think about, I mean, I think early days of Amazon, they were a digital bookstore that everybody laughed at, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they put all those companies out of business. And, and so a, a handful of, of innovative leaders and companies have thrived in, in this changing landscape, but, 10x that in the companies that said that that laughed at it and blew it off and so the church isn't the only uh, entity to move slow i think i think just people people people's nature is to lean into comfort people's nature mm-hmm. is to lean into what they know um and what they've known and and i think there's there there are some of us that just are wired differently and i and i think i've learned like there's a side where uh my wife has had to tell me like other other people aren't lazy. You're just a workaholic. Does that make sense? Like I'm wired differently, um, and 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 I think it's normal. And that's where I think this is a moment for innovative leaders to stand out mm. and lead their organizations differently. Um, and and those that that and there are leaders that that want to just settle. Does that make, and I say settle like and, and move slower, and that's and that's healthy to a point. But that worked in a season, but we're moving into a season where change is, is more necessary at a, at a rapid state. And I, you know, I, I even think about like, I'm doing, I've done some parenting web webinars this last year, or, or even some live speaking events where people are asking about social media and their families. And they're like, Oh, it's going to be okay. Because they said radio was going to ruin kids and television was going to ruin kids. Uh, and none of that ruined kids. But the reality is the internet has moved way faster than television ever did. Uh, and we could monitor that way easier. Now, there, I, yeah. I actually believe you can monitor the internet more than you can monitor those things if you're smart. But 
most parents aren't smart enough to be able to monitor it uh, like you can. Um, and people have access to more than they've ever had. So I think the rate of innovation, and, and, and it's not like we're going to get here and it's going to stop. It's only going to get faster and faster and faster. And it's, AI is, I mean, AI is going to build things themselves. Uh, it's, as you get into the future of AI, it, it is as scary as I think people make it out to be in their minds. Um, and I think that's where the government's got to get ahead of it too, of like, how do we govern this new world that's being created around us? And I think then the reality is life is going to get easier. Houses are going to build themselves. Cars are going to drive themselves. Groceries are going to be delivered, you know, our lives. And, and then that brings down the cost of everything. Um, and so people can actually then just function as, as things that only people can do in creativity and in creative thought and, and in um, relational, you know, connection. It's, but, but in our minds, it's, it's hard to, yeah, there's a long tangent on, you know, how, uh, why churches move slow, but I, cause, I, but I think the bottom line is it's, it's human nature to move slow. And it's, um, it's the rest of us that think everybody's moving slow or just workaholics and people yeah. that, uh, see the, we're the weird ones at the end of the day, but I'm glad to be a weird one, you know, <laughs> uh, especially in this moment. There's, there's a tension with that though, right? Cause like I've even heard, I, I would say Craig Rochelle is by far one of the most innovative pastors in in America today. I'm, I'd put him in in a, in a room of three. I don't want to discredit some of the other guys, but but Life Church obviously is is doing some incredible things. Bobby Grunwald and, and the team, awesome, phenomenal. By the way, thank you. You are not listening to this podcast, but if you were, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, not for listening, for doing what you're doing. I, I'm not that much of an ego guy, <laughs> but here's here's the thing. Like I've even heard Groeschel talk. You know, at the most recent. Um, Oh, what, what what is the, the Willow Creek, the leadership? What what do they call that? The, yeah, the summit. Uh, yeah. The summit. Yeah, the leadership summit. Thank you. Uh, coronavirus brain. Global leadership uh, summit. Global leadership summit. Thank you. Uh, he used the phrase Gitmo. Uh, he literally is talking about at some point, it just has to be good enough to move on. And, and so like the, the, the tension of, okay, um, I, I, want, I want to change the world, but at some point, the perfectionist is actually going to stop me from being able to do the thing that I'm really trying to accomplish. And so get it done at the point that you can let it go. It's good enough to move on. Hmm. Um, and, and for me as a, um, and, and I heard that and it, when COVID hit, that was when Gitmo triggered for me in, in a hmm. new way, because yeah. for me, I'm looking at, Holy cow. My website just increased a thousand percent. I'm going to have to make some changes because I have to, uh, there's just so much more impact and potential. I have to let go of things. I have to ask others to come on on board with me. We we went from like, um, well, I went from one writer in 2019 December to probably 25, 30 different writers writing content for me in, in the COVID season. Yeah. Uh, we we onboarded 20, 25 people easy. I, I can't even like count. I can go back, but I don't know what yeah. the number is. Like I'm literally like, hey, nice to meet you. You want to write a blog? This will be great. Come on. And it's just it was a phenomenal opportunity. Yep. But part of that is because I, I realized that the lid of the church digital in that season was me. Hmm. Um, and, and, and I could, I could control it. I could regulate it. I, I could make sure my hands were on every piece of it, but to do that, I would become the, the, literally the flesh, the lid of this thing. But if I were to step back, if I were to let others be involved in the process, um, the thing would grow much faster because it wasn't dependent upon, on me. 
And, and so I, I think that the church has an opportunity, I think, maybe mm. even to release a little bit. Like, I would, this is the conversation I would love to have with, with the, uh, with the Groeschels and, and the Grunwalds. What's your relationship like? Yeah. Over the past decade, you know, when, when Bobby comes in with some crazy idea, um, what's the response? What's that conversation look like? What's what's the push back and forth? How have you figured out? Because you're both strong leaders. You're both driven. Somehow they've managed to figure out how to release the, 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 the tension, figure out how to work. And as a result, that organization has skyrocketed in, in ways that, that, that churches maybe haven't. So there's an opportunity, I think, to learn here. Go ahead, go ahead, Nils. I, I think the bot. I mean, there's and and I think they're they're such a great case study for a, an organization that leaned into innovation and and um, and have seen the fruits of doing leaning in early uh, to to innovation. And they're they're so well positioned too to to where things are are going because of that. They're, you know, they're they're not capped. You know, uh, they they just literally took the the lid off ten years ago. And, um, and, and I think it happens for a couple of reasons. Um, and I think some of the mistakes I see is, is there's such a, a high level of trust between Bobby and Craig that, that that's essential. You know, uh, I think there's also, I've yet to see an organization thrive, especially in the online space without a senior pastor or senior leader, or lead pastor who at least has a vision for it. It doesn't mean they've got to be technology minded. And, and I don't think Craig, I don't, I, I've not even met Craig. Uh, I've been in some rooms with him, but uh, I, 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 I don't think that he's a technology guy. I think he is an incredible visionary that is, is, is kind of just like whatever pushes the gospel forward. Um, I'm going to lean in. And Bobby has been his guy that he's like, I trust that guy and so I'll drive it and lead it uh, from a vision standpoint, but I need you to create the structure for it. And what I see, I see some, some pastors who are like, yeah, I want to go reach the world online and I'm going to go get my 25 year old youth pastor. Cause he seems techie to figure out how to do it. And then that guy creates a mess or the 20. And I think about me when I was 25 and I knew everything, you know, and I'm like, why won't my senior pastor just give me the keys to everything? Um, and, and the reality is if you throw the keys to that 25 year old, he might be smart, uh, but he, uh, or she, uh, is, 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 is 25, you know, like there, there is, there's just natural immaturity that, that just comes or maturity that comes with age. And, and so I think you've got to, uh, you've got to have trust and trust is built over years and it's, it's lost in a moment. And, and so I think any organization, that is going to thrive. It has to have it has to have multiple people driving innovation. It cannot be just one person. The top person has to be bought in, and they have to have people they deeply trust um, that that will that will go along for the journey. Uh, but I've the the organizations. I mean, this is a leadership conversation outside of a technology conversation. When when I've been a part of and I've worked with organizations where the senior pastor doesn't trust the people around them and he feels the need to, or she feels the need to do everything themselves. Um, you're capped. You're immediately capped when you don't have a core leadership team that you trust. Yeah. Can you speak into Nils, the cost of innovation too, just cause you know, there was tremendous time costs. There's tremendous, uh, like you're saying, trust costs to, to do things like, like what Life Church did that we're talking about, like the open network, for instance, or even version, like offering that for free from the get-go. Yes. 
you know, they embraced the internet of free early on. Like I remember reading about that in Wired, like back in 2007, like, man, the internet of free, how that's going to become a thing. And yeah. I was like, oh, wow. Like, and here it is, a church was embracing that early on yeah. to the point where they're giving away a church online platform for free. Like yes. tremendous cost, yes. tremendous hours, all that in the background. Thoughts on oh. that, yeah, you know, my, Mike Todd has become one of my favorite people in the world. Uh, I, I, my wife is like your man crush on Pastor Mike. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to chill, um, and, and I, you know, I met him probably six months ago, and and my that's where my crush began. Uh, my crush maybe began uh, from a distance before that, um, but he, you know, he he shared with me his story of of where you know. <laughs> It's so transparently, but but five years ago they were a church plant. They they had about 150 people, and they met in a storefront. And he said, "God gave me a vision to that we need to buy cameras and and lean into uh, our our video um, and 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 social media." And so he's like, I want, you know, the, anyways, they made an investment at $80,000 as a church plant to buy these nice cameras because he was thinking about what is this, you know, it, it, it was because he felt like God called him, you know, to do that. He had about 50 people leave his church. That's like 30% of his congregation because they felt like he, um, he was immature and was, uh, was, was not being a good steward of the church resources by making that decision. Well, today, <laughs> their their church and I, you know, I was, I was working with the Easter services. Uh, they just literally bought a new building, um, cash, a four thousand seat auditorium, um, and and they they moved in and now they can't meet there. Uh, but at Easter, uh, and I was texting uh, with with Pastor Mike uh, at and at Easter, they had they had forty times the people gathered online in their live stream than could fit in their room. Um, wow. and, and, and so you, you talk about a good investment five years ago, financially, their giving is up, you know, almost 20% since the COVID crisis started uh, hmm. because wow. they, they leaned in early. Uh, there is a cost with innovation and the cost is sometimes financial. The cost is sometimes people. Um, the, the cost is people calling you crazy, Jeff, you, you know, like, you know, that, um, and, and so I don't, you know, I, I still remember when I was at community Bible church early days of like, are you really encouraging people to get on Facebook? Like, why do you want people to get a divorce? And I was like, how did you correlate me encouraging our church to use Facebook to, I want people to get a divorce. Now he did because somebody in his, his small group had gotten a divorce because they connected with an old spouse. There are, are dangers. There, there are things that as we lead new things. So the cost is generally way more than money. It's often a lot of time. Um, and then it's also just leadership equity that you have to earn. You cannot just say, I've got this title and I'm going to guide. And that comes with casting a clear vision and, uh, and then taking some risks. And you, if you, you know, they always say, if you don't fail, uh, you haven't, you're not innovating fast enough. Uh, you have to have freedom to fail and, uh, and um, expectation that that failure is a part of leading into innovation. And I think for some churches, you don't have to lean into innovation. Sometimes you can be the second person there. Life church is already led. And it doesn't mean you need to copy Life Church, but learn from. Mm -hmm. and, and Bobby would be the first person to tell you that they've made a lot of mistakes along the way, 
uh, and that's where they so transparently put stuff out there to like say, don't do this, don't do this, don't do that, uh, because we learned uh, and we don't want you to make those mistakes. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll let you catch up faster um, be, because you, you came second. And so some, some want to get there first. There's a huge cost of going first, uh, but I think there's a huge expense of going third. I think going second is probably one of the best places for most leaders to be leading when it comes to innovation. I love that because, yeah, absolutely. Because so often this is, I, when I worked in Apple retail, I, I kept telling people, they were like, man, isn't it so great? Apple's leading the way. And I was like, no, they're not first to market with anything. Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. like, they weren't first to market with a smartphone. They weren't first to market with a media player. They weren't first to market with a laptop. They're, they're just, they're better. That, that's all it is. They're yeah. better than, than the people who were first to market. So other yes. people may walk through that door first and every Android universe, user in the universe is probably saying amen right now. They're like, yes. they're, they're like the Simpsons did it. Sim like they're the people who are like, we did it first. We did it first. But Apple just has this way of, okay, cool. You did something great. We're going to try and just take that innovation and work it in our system and make it better. And that's, that's kind of where they've made their, where they made their fame in the last few years. Ah, that's so good. I mean, and I think do it well too. I mean, I think leaning into excellence, uh, <laughs> is one of the keys there. And I, I think too many churches have tried to copy life church online and it's like, be you and uh, learn from their core principles. And I think in Apple, Apple is very clear on who they are. They don't put out bad products. They don't put out, I mean, even when Steve jobs, like threw put everything in, everything needs to fit on one table is what he used to say. And so they're like, we're going to do these, these things really well. Um, and, and so I just left Apple because I'm bored with uh, how, how, uh, how second they are. Um, but, I, but at the end of the day, I'm frustrated because my Android stuff and my, my Chromebook stuff is buggy because, the, because they're kind of going first in different areas. Um, and Apple is gonna do it right. And I think that yeah. there's a winning strategy in going second. And, but there's a fun strategy for some to go first. And Mike Todd mm -hmm. is, is going first and, and he's, gonna, he's gonna have some scars by going first, but he's going to see some incredible fruit. Jeff Bezos went first. He's got some scars. I guarantee you there's fruits there, but there are plenty of other people that just watched Amazon and, and kind of rode those coattails to like, look, I can just watch what Bezos is doing right now and just do that in two years and, uh, and, and, and be good. And, and that's what Walmart is essentially doing. Walmart's just riding Amazon's coattails, just copying their business model with the infrastructure they already had in place. And so, uh, and I think Walmart is probably the perfect example for churches to say we are a traditional business that was very successful, that has looked at where things are going, and and we have just we have adapted and adjusted without completely abandoning our old. But I'd be willing to bet that in the next five years you're going to see half the WalMarts that you you see today, um, but their business is thriving more mm -hmm. than it ever has. So this has been a fascinating conversation on the innovative entrepreneurial church. This is not at all what I wanted to talk about, but that's what makes this so much better. We'll, we'll bring you back to have the, the podcast conversation. By the way, I love the fact that you've abandoned Apple, or at least are thinking about abandoning Apple. I've taken a lot of heat because I'm an Apple fanboy who, as I hold my Apple pencil in my finger, writing on an iPad here. I myself am frustrated because the luster is gone, but similar to you, I, the other stuff's just not good enough for me to actually like in, endorse and run with 100%. So it I'm still a blue bubble. Down. It does. I, I'm, I'm not a green bubble, people. Like, relax. I'm not there yet. But I, I'm to this point where I'm like, I'm not, 
I'm not really feeling the blue bubble anymore. So that's another conversation. We'll bring, we'll bring it back to that. I really want to focus on this yeah. because you've used the word because there's a small church out there who has heard you use the word, um, here's innovation, who hears excellence, who hears life church, who hears all of these big words. Dude, I'm a 250-person church. My camera is maybe Amiibo. Um, what's, how, how am I supposed to compete with that? Hmm. Like, I, let's, let's, yeah. let's drill on that. How does a small church compete? That's yes. their mindset. How do I compete with life church? And, and that's why I think that the transformation church story is, is so powerful in that they were five years ago, a, a 200 member, you know, church plant and, and Mike cast a vision for, this camera equipment and, and prioritizing online because that's going to be their front door. And, and then that also expanded into their kind of multi-site strategy, all kinds of other things, but they saw that as their front door from a giving standpoint and, and transformation has been unbelievably transparent in their, their first year that they, they, they had like $1.5 million budget. So that, which is great for a church plant. And they, they grew very fast early on. Then after they bought those cameras, their budget dropped to like 1.2 million. I think because people left uh, and then the next year was about 3 million. And then the next year was about 8 million. And then the next year was uh, I think this last year was like over 20 million given they bought a building cash. This is, was a five-year-old church. Now that came with Mike, listen to God. Uh, Mike led with a clear vision. Um, and, and, and he, he, he continued to push. And I, I mean, I think I, I give so much credit to, to God blessing that unique situation and in the movement of God. But I also, Mike listened to God, you know, right. and, and, and leaned in and, and, and God moved. That doesn't mean every church is going to be, and you shouldn't just follow the transformation model, mm-hmm. but I think it, it starts with having a vision. And I think this is, I just did a Facebook live or, or live stream or before this of, um, of a friend of mine just has been speaking the word exponential into me and, um, and honestly, I, I have, you know, I've, I've gone charismatic since I went, started going to Hillsong. And so there, there's a guy who just kind of spoke a prophetic word uh, over me. And, uh, and that word exponential has kind of been the word I've leaned into this year. And, and, and somebody spoke it to me yesterday and it kind of restarted of, of we're in a moment where everyone can be rethinking everything. And if, you, if you're in this assembly line of just feeling stuck or, what do we do next? This is the perfect moment to say, we're going to do things different. And it doesn't mean you need to go to an online campus, but I think a lot of pastors and ministry leaders have stopped listening to God. And they've just said, I'm going to do church and I'm going to pray, but praying means I'm going to pray for my congregation. Praying means I'm going to uh, just pray for you to bless my efforts with the church and the church, the way I do church and the way that, um, Saddleback does church because I follow the purpose-driven model. I think these models are great, but where is God calling your church? Mm. Uh, and it might be to lead it and be st- stable and just die over the next 20 years. Uh, that, that, that might be your calling. I don't, I don't know. Uh, but, but I believe that there is a ministry opportunity uh, that, that exists online. And it might be to, you know, I, I helped a church recently plant a church in Iran exclusively on the internet. They can't plant it. I mean, there are house churches and things that you can plant, uh, but they literally, it's a digital church in Iran. 
and uh, and they do digital small groups and they do digital worship gatherings uh, through StreamYard. And there are literally people in Iran that are a part of the service and people outside of Iran that are a part of the service. There are opportunities that didn't exist. You couldn't have done that a couple of years ago. And the internet wasn't fast enough there in Iran a couple of years ago. Um, and so you, you, there are just, there, there are so many opportunities for a leader to just pull back right now and pray, you know, and, and just say what, and, and I think what Mike said, Mike had a vision to, to, to reach the world. Um, I had, I, you know, I'll tell you, uh, this is, this is, I'll get personal here. Um, when I started online church, uh, at CBC with onlinechurch.com, I had a very clear vision, um, that I believe was from God. Of, of a worship gathering that's going to, and I've never shared this publicly, I don't think, uh, but that's that, 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 that's, that there will be people uh, from every country and territory around the world in a worship gathering. Hmm. Um, and, and at, at the same time, and I don't think that's ever happened. Um, and, and, and I, and I believe that in the next year to two years, we will actually see that moment happening, happen, um, and it, it seemed so impossible to me 10 years ago. Today, it seems so possible. And that's a vision because I, I, in that moment, I was listening to God. And, where, and, and I've been kind of like even a lot of the things in, in the leaders I've invested into, the more I hear somebody casting a vision for that, that's where I align as a consultant of like, I want to get next to you and, and help, help guide you towards that vision. But there are other people that have a different vision from God and, and a different calling from God. Um, and it might be a different direction. I just think a lot of people haven't leaned into the internet because, because honestly, they're not, they're not, they're not leaning into God. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't mean God's going to call everyone to the internet. I think though, we just, we put, we put God in a box of this is this, the box of, of a church and a church building and we do worship and we, and, and I, I'm a, I'm a Saddleback guy. I went to Rockbridge seminary. And so it's like, we do worship, we do you know, uh, small groups, we do, you know, missions and, and we do it in this way. Well, the reality is if you take the five purposes of Saddleback and, you know, Rick Warren's purpose driven church, it all fits into the internet. Uh, mm -hmm. it fits into, you can do worship online. You can do small groups online. You can fellowship online. You can do discipleship online. Uh, you can do missions online. Um, it, you, the, the internet is, is just another tool so I, yeah, I, I think there's just so many opportunities and I think pastors are not leaning into the opportunity and, and, I, and, I, and I, I might be overstating it to say the pastors aren't listening to God, but I believe that there's so much opportunity there. And I think there are some digital missionaries out there that don't yet uh, have and are scared to take that leap that God might be pushing on them. And I think this moment uh, that we're all sitting in is is probably stirring a lot of those people and i hope that they will it's going to get hard does that make sense it might be fun right now uh but but as you lean in and and, and if people aren't calling you crazy i don't think you're leaning in hard enough right um and so i yeah so i just i just want to see some pastors uh and it doesn't mean they have to have a physical i'd rather see some jeff even to your point of i'd rather see some just say i'm going to plant a digital church and if we end up having physical gatherings cool if we don't we're going to start on Twitch and the Twitch is going to be our, our, our first campus. Um, and, or we're going to start on Facebook or we're going to, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, but yeah, I, I just think there's so many, and we just haven't even thought of the Facebook. When yeah. I started online church, I come Facebook. I don't think video was even possible yet on Facebook back then. 
you know, and then Facebook Live, I mean, I, you can get an iPhone and you can, anybody can start a church tomorrow. Um, and a church, you know, at the core is just people gathering, you know, it's people in community. Um, we, you don't have to have a license to start a church. <laughs> well, from one crazy guy to another crazy guy, um, thanks for being crazy. Uh, it's, it's Good. been, uh, it's, it's been a, a crazy run. Uh, by the way, I'm gonna do a little uh, commercial here. If you are interested in planting a digital church or any of the stuff that, that Nils was just talking about, I do apologize for the commercial stadia. We're literally recruiting digital church planners to do exactly what my man's talking about. So, um, you know, looking at your circle of influence and, and what you're passionate about, figuring out how to utilize that passion to reach disciple and, and grow yeah a, an ecclesiological model of, of church in a digital space it's possible you can do it Nils, so Jeff, I had tell, me, tell me how stadia comes along so if a pastor says i want to plant a digital church how does stadia come alongside a pastor to do that i am glad you asked thank you for that Nils. so right now we're actually in the process of um developing some digital uh, learning communities yeah. where we're literally taking um, I've, we're developing a lineup uh, of pastors to be part of this uh, of, of innovators a lot of the people that have been on this podcast um, and, and others to come in here and speak as part of this learning community for about six months we're looking at taking people through hitting things like how to be digital how to staff digital pastor mean how do you get the entire staff to be invested and engaged in a digital mindset digital and physical um, what does it mean target to work with digital community how do you create a small group that that's reproducing itself what does discipleship making mean digitally what are the challenges how do you become the coldness of technology uh with with christ how do you create a disciple maker in the space all sorts man the the, the speakers we've got coming in well, i'm just gonna tell you this go to uh stadiachurchplanning.org slash digital p-h-y-g-i-t-a-l uh i totally appreciate the 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 nod there nils didn't necessarily it wasn't necessary but uh, anytime i get to talk about stadia I, I love doing that and i'm excited about what's happening there so if you're wrestling with this space would love to have you in there and aside from even churches, because as part of helping churches understand how to be digital, understanding churches, how to plant digital only, that's part of the process that we're doing. Another part that we're doing really is working with individuals, people who are not connected with churches, who are saying, I have a passion about an area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a, a guy's like, man, I'm, I'm really into alt VR. And, and, and I'm thinking about what would it be like to be a, another uh, DJ Soto doing a VR church? Well, we want to come alongside you and help in that. Sure. Uh, and, and so like a lot of this is not let's help on the church side, because I think the churches need to understand this to resource individuals. But part of what we're also doing is resourcing individuals to helping them understand what that is and, and helping them grow. And even more than, you know, the, the phrase is thrive, grow and multiply. We want to help churches understand how to thrive, grow and multiply. We also want to help individuals who are interested in planting their own thing, thrive, grow and multiply through that. So either way, um, hit me up. My information's in the show notes and, and I Stadia, we would love to have a conversation with you on that. Totally was not anticipating going digital, in commercial. By the way, digital. The yeah. Thank it. you for that. Yeah. It's um, 
and I, I, you know, it's funny. I'm actually trying to remember where it came from. It's a business phrase. Like it's one of those things that I think the business world's a little ahead of us, uh, the church side. Uh, maybe not as far to your point as we we think they are, but they are ahead. And so um, the combination of physical and digital merging together. We're 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 fidgetal people, especially coming out of this COVID season. We are going to be very fidgetal people. And so utilizing churches, understanding how to not, it's not about the services, but about how to utilize the fidgetal to disciple someone, to be involved in their life seven days a week, to help them grow deeper, to empower them, to utilize the digital technology, to connect with others, to disciple more people, to get them connected in God in a new way. Um, I, we, we just we had this and this is it's a podcast we did recently with with Tyler Sansom and, and I have never I had never thought of this uh, Tyler's like hey so one of the things we do between services and small groups to just meet people get them connected kind of in a um, in a welcoming area uh, you know the feature on Netflix where it's like the watch party where you can like watch the same Netflix video all at the same time. So they opened it up to like people, Hey, if we're, we're doing family movies, uh, if you want to jump on, on Netflix do the watch party thing, come in, he had 20 families sign up oh. to watch movies together. And so they're building relationships. They're talking. Some of them might be Christian. Some of them might not be. It doesn't matter. They're building relationships. And then when it's time to actually, you know, one of the weeks, hey, maybe we're not going to show a movie this week. Maybe we'll jump on Zoom and talk about what God's doing in our lives. And some of them may have stories. Some of them may not. But it's an opportunity to relationally invest in people to get to that point. And it's like if Netflix doesn't exist, try to get 20 people in a room like that to build relationships. You really you really can't. 40, 60. Like there's no limit on that unless Netflix has got limitations. I don't know. But at the end of the day, like you're utilizing technology not to compete with the weekend service, but to complement it to do something that only the technology can do. And, and to me, this is where, it, and we're not even as a church, we're not even utilizing technology in this way yet. We haven't figured it out. We're, we're so afraid of it because it's competing with the one hour on Sunday that we don't want to actually take advantage of, of the power to relational connect with it. It's it's incredible too when you think about and I think I love this digital where you, where you can interact but you think about the complexity and and um, one of the things transformation is dealing with is having a four thousand seat auditorium getting people in and out of a physical service is really complicated and mm-hmm. and and the funny thing and and Robert Emmett used to always say this when with uh, onlinechurch.com is he's like look I don't we don't have to have security guards we don't I mean, we kind of have digital security guards that ban people but um, it, it's it's not so complex we don't, we don't run out of parking we don't have to figure out how we get 30 minutes to people leave a service and then new people to come in and we don't care if people double dip on the online services like we do in the physical services and um, there's just so much opportunity and, and I think you know I, I get excited too if there is not a locked-in model uh, I, I, my, one of the visions I really have for, for churches that I don't see happening much yet is house churches coming out of it. And I think that's where church home is going in a lot of ways, but where you kind of have these micro gatherings that start of you have a cluster in Ohio and you have a cluster in Pakistan, you know, and you have yeah. a cluster in Sydney and you have a cluster, you know, 50 miles away from your church building where people just don't want to drive, but they want to gather or people that don't want to go into a big auditorium anymore because of COVID and they'd rather just be in a living room uh, and watch church on a television and then eat lunch together and be in like 
a different kind of community yet they want it from a teaching standpoint. I still, I believe the pulpit drives the church and I think online church allows that, that pastor to be able to, to speak into those homes. And I think in many ways we, we, you know, I think even back to the rabbinical days of, of you, you would choose a rabbi to follow, you know, and I think we still do that. We choose a pastor of, this is the, the person that I want to speak into my life spiritually. And I want to follow from a teaching standpoint as the primary person speaking into my life spiritually. And now that's no longer limited by geography. And you as a pastor are no longer limited by geography. And me as an individual am no longer limited by geography of, of who, who I choose to speak into my life spiritually. And I th th these are the new opportunities that, that are not a limitation to church or a distraction from church, but are only an enhancement. Um, and, and, and it doesn't mean you have to reach the world. It, it, it does mean you can reach the people within 20 miles even, even more uh, th than you could before and be even more connected. There's, man, there's just so many things. I love Fidgetal. Uh, I tried to go buy Fidgetal.church. <laughs> I saw you already bought Fidgetal.church, so you uh, beat me Don't to buy my domain. I'm already there. <laughs> That's well, I was awesome. gonna, I was gonna I'm, sell I'm, it back to you. I was just looking for an upsell. <laughs> <laughs> the the funny thing was, um, I I bought that. It's so funny. I bought that like three months, like 2019. Yeah. Um, because I'm like you. I just I buy domains randomly, come back around, whatever. And uh, so 2019, I bought that domain, and I'm talking with Stadia. You know, February, March, you know, March. It was in this COVID season, 2020. We're talking about digital and working through. It's like, hey, let's let's push all in on this term. And I went to buy Fidgetal.Church, not remembering I already bought it. And and so I went to buy it and GoDaddy, and it came back and said, already bought. And I'm like, well, crap, who's smart enough to actually be planning ahead? And so I go into who is looking it up. I was like, oh, I bought it four months ago and didn't even remember. <laughs> you forgot that you bought it. <laughs> I forgot I even bought it. So it's, that's welcome to, welcome to my COVID life. Are, are um, you are you willing to admit how many domains that you, that you have in your – are you a GoDaddy guy? Who do you, what do you use your domains? Yeah, so I'm a GoDaddy guy. Uh, I'm I'm three figures. I'm not four figures. Uh, You're in the three and, and figures, I, though. I am. I am three figures. I I keep it in context. Honestly, I like my 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 industry. Bad word. My my zone. My the area of of influence is church. So I don't I don't really even let myself go outside of that. Yeah. Um. You know, You're still and, and the three figures. Yeah, I am. Um, lots of lots of buzzwords, lots of keywords, lots of of things coming up. I've, a couple clients I do stuff for, but you know that's that's it's on a minimal. I don't yeah. want to uh, My my worst fear is I forget to renew a domain for a client that yeah. that's like there. And, and so like I just um as much as possible. Hey, let me set you up with an account. I'll I'll do the initial purchase for you so you yeah. get the discounts, and then I'll just hand it to you. Yeah, that's good. but I love uh, it. I love anyway, it. that's this is this is sign. It's been a, it's a great conversation, man. I, I love. I love uh, you. We got together. I, I was actually I was reminded of this, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this later because I've I'm actually we're doing a podcast with Craig Atkinson. Yeah. Um. Uh, later this afternoon, inside of Starbucks, maybe three four uh, years ago. Disneyland. Um. Yeah, Disneyland. Uh. With with Nils, Jay Cranda, Ray was there, and uh, and Greg Atkinson. Um. Just talking crazy, and uh, to to see three four years later, whatever the math was. Um, how crazy has become a reality and how churches are 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 now wrestling with this in, in real time, trying to figure out how to adjust. Um, man, thanks for thanks for what you're doing. One of the questions we do want to bring you back. Um, one of the questions that, that I wanted to ask even was, man, you were one of the like pioneers in this. And, and so like 10, 20 years ago, did you just real briefly, did you see this coming? 
or was it was it was was it a, a like did you realize that the church would be in the season where it would become a reality or yeah. were you pushing vision just hoping to get close to it i and, and i'm going to give you a longer answer uh because i i think it's i think it uh my my story i, th I think might might even inspire some someone else of i'm i'm an accidental in all of this i'm not a technology guy i um, when I, in 1999, I was a youth pastor, my first youth ministry gig, I was introduced to AOL instant messenger. And that's where my online ministry began. That was my first day of youth ministry. A seventh grade girl introduced me to AOL instant messenger. And so from my first day of ministry, all I knew was digital and physical. And, and my most successful ministry came out of digital relationships that I then merged into physical relationships. And, and that just, went into MySpace and then that went into Facebook. And I, and then, you know, about 12 years ago, I was doing leading a college service and we had about 75 college students that gathered and somebody introduced me to this platform called Mogulus, where you can plug in your handy cam to your computer. And now it's livestream.com, which is now owned by Vimeo. Uh, but it, it, it was like, I can do this and I can live stream this service anywhere. We literally had a thousand people that night watch our service on Mogulus because if we, somebody told me to plug in a camera and I was willing to try it. And we told everybody, update your Facebook and your MySpace with this link. And then we started reaching the world. And then, so, so I would just, I was willing to try things. And when I would see something, I'd be like, oh, I'm going to lean into this. And then I got in the newspaper in San Antonio, which is where Robert Emmett heard about me. And Robert Emmett took me to lunch and he's like, do you think, I mean, we've planted 10 churches and I'm just tired of the headache of planting new churches do you think we could do a church on the internet? And I said, I'd love to try to figure it out. Um, so yeah, so I, I would say he had a vision. I, I was fascinated by life church. Um, and we literally just figured out how to do church. Like, well, what about small groups? Well, what about prayer? What about baptism? What about, and, and we just figured it out one step at a time. So I would say I, I didn't have a vision for this. I had a willingness to try new things and, uh, and God gave me vision along the way. And God gave Robert Emmett vision as our lead pastor. Hmm. And, and I helped, I helped him accomplish his vision and me. And now as a consultant, that's what I do. I choose uh, clients who, who have a vision I want to align to and help them create structure to, to accomplish their vision. Um, yeah. So that, so that's my journey into this, I, but I didn't have a clear vision and, and I don't have a clear vision for the future, but I want to continue to be a part of willing to try new things to see, and, and I think I love Craig Gershaw's line, anything, anything short of sin to accomplish the gospel or further the gospel. You know, I don't know exactly the thing, but anything. And, and for me, it, it has, it has been the fruits have been when I've leaned into technology innovation. That was awesome. Thank you for that. Um, man, what well said. I love the fact that you use the word AOL in MySpace in, in a conversation. Like I was, I, I I was just... Nils BYX, by the way. BYX? Ooh. Nils BYX was my AOL I am name. Brothers under Christ. Yep, brothers under Christ. Very yep, good. Nice. I'm, I'm with you. So yeah, wow, that's a throwback. Yeah. Uh, what's cool? You were in Texas. Yeah, I was at. Uh, it was Southwest Texas, Texas State University. I think I've got my shirt on. Yes, you. Okay. All right. Yep. Well done. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I, I was I was brothers under Christ at, at TCU. Oh, there TCU. we go. Nice. What year did you graduate? Listen, I'm going to cut all this out. So listen, or maybe I'll leave it in. I don't know. But what, what year did you graduate? 2002. 2002. Okay, I was 99. All right. Okay. Very cool. I, I didn't yeah. realize that. You I mean, I could do like the whole, Early days in, of Bucks. In, oh, my gosh. I can't, in, in one spirit, in one voice, we sing our, our, 
Oh, it's been we'll, 20 we'll, years we'll, since we'll I've tried to remember that. Next time we see each other physically. Very good. I'll definitely get you in. And Ray's like, these bunch of old guys are freaky right now. So You guys are part of like an Elks Club or like a Stonehenge, you know, group that I don't know about, man. Some kind of secret oh, society. Oh, my Mason's gosh. Club. Good. I love it. So evidently, if you're, if you're, if you're a, a, a boxer, you are a shaved head and uh, have a goatee because evidently that's that's what we're establishing here in this podcast. Well, and it's built into your AOL screen name. It's built in. <laughs> it had to be. I almost got a Bucks tattoo. I I'm kind of glad I didn't, uh, but I almost went that far. Yeah, I I was not that radical. Well done. Um, awesome. Hey Ray, I don't know how you're gonna make sense of this, but as as we're landing the plane, any closing thoughts? No, I'm so glad, Jeff. You got to throw a pipe organ in the background of when Nils was preaching there because I was about to get rolling with him. And for so long, we, we prayed for Acts 2, right? Like I heard churches over and over again praying for revival and talking about, man, we want to see a revival happen. And just maybe, just maybe, what if we're living in it right now? Like, would we actually open our eyes to like look at the fields like Jesus said and say, hey, man, the harvest is here and it's not in a way that we expected. Maybe a lot of it's going to come digitally. And maybe if we would embrace, like what Neil said so eloquently, and I love this, the vision that God has for us, instead of trying to copy somebody else. Like what if Paul had the ability to say, hey, Jesus, I can't physically get to Macedonia, but you gave me this camera and you gave me this computer and every other way I keep coming up to walls, but through this way, I can get into that 1040 window. I can preach the gospel. I can get it to people. There's a relevant method here if we would just embrace this time for what it is sorrows heartaches but also the positive things that come with it there's so much beauty that could come from this man well said well said yeah and we'll have to get the sound effect of the pipe organ in here that that's a good idea um you're totally listening to the pipe organ right now because i'm going on faith that i'm gonna work <laughs> it in right about at this point okay nils um thank you right nils it's landing the plane any any closing thoughts on your side i just want to say i love you guys i i love the relationship we've had through the years online and uh and and the work you're doing right now uh in leading this conversation um it's it's special and it's important and it's critical and i appreciate you letting me be a part of the conversation so the podcast i wanted to have was man the church needs to figure out how to utilize long-form audio better because we want to hear something other than a sermon. So, and this is according to Gary V, 2020 is the year of long form audio. So, church, let's get a clue and figure out how to create long form audio. I hope you enjoyed the conversation we did not have. Uh, instead, uh, we dove into this uh, innovative entrepreneurial church model, which, it, or just what a church would look like if it was innovative yeah. and entrepreneurial. So, yeah. thank you for this conversation. Yeah. We'll have to bring you back another time and actually get into the audio piece because I, I would love your angle on that. And so we'll right. get there. For Ray, uh, for Nils, this is Jeff with the Church Digital once again. Thanks for jumping on the podcast, and we'll see you next time here on the show. You all have a good day.